Let's take our Bibles. We're going to get right to it and go to the book of Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew and chapter 10. And if all also you would find your place in Acts chapter one, even while you're standing, we'll do a little bit of reading. Acts chapter one, the moving ahead cards can be dropped off, you know, along with the all or where the offering is as the ushers are at every door. That's how you can take care of that. Maybe while you're finding your place in those two passages, again, Matthew chapter 10 and Acts chapter 1, here in the South Foyer, I'd encourage you to stop by. There's the Friend Day cards that are displayed there. Pray over those Friend Day cards. God willing, next Sunday, we'll have a lot of guests here that are here for Friend Day. So go ahead, sign somebody up, come for Friend Day. Let me ask you to do this. Would you pray that God might just give liberty in preaching the gospel that morning? And that night, we'll have people both morning and night that are our friends and we want to reach them for Christ, present the gospel to them. Uh, but then also just inside uh, the glass doors, right around the south nursery desk, you'll see um, two displays, one of some pictures that have kids have drawn, why I love my church. And so you'll see pictures they drew of the church building, of the auditorium, some of them of a service with a bald guy preaching. I mean, it's awesome. You got to enjoy it, you know. I mean, they gave me a little bit of hair on the sides, but uh, you can tell who it is, that's for sure. So anyways, but you got to love kids. Um, they're honest, I'll tell you that. But, but then also, um, some of them wrote, uh, and I haven't read them all. I've read a few of them. I look forward to reading more of them. Why I Love My Church. I believe it'll be a blessing to you uh, to see kids excited about school. Hey, let me, I know you're standing. I, I need to read. I need to read. Trenton told me yesterday they were out on visitation and there's a little boy that was a long way away and he saw them. Uh, they were blitzing, you know, just hanging flyers. And this little boy ran down the road. I mean, a long way, ran down the road because he thought this might be Southwest Baptist Church. And I used to ride bus number uh, 13 and now he's moved over to bus 19 and he wanted us to know where he was. Chased us down. And he's here today. That's a blessing. Love it. All right, let's read um, Matthew 10, verse 1. We're, we're staying in our uh, series here, Jesus is King, uh, because it really does fit the day. Jesus had just told his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And then we're going to see that Jesus did that in chapter 10. It says in verse 1, And when he had called unto him the, his twelve disciples... He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Well, if you look back up in chapter 9 and verse 35, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. And he empowered his disciples to do exactly the same. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew. Notice how he lists himself, the publican, the, the author of the book, the author of this gospel. The other gospels, when it lists the, um, the disciples, it just says this, Matthew. But Matthew never forgot who he was. He remembered he was a sinner that was saved by the grace of God. Matthew, the publican. And then, <laughs> then it says this, James, the son of Alphaeus, 
and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, and Simon, or Simon the Canaanite. He was uh, in the other Gospels, Zelotes, which means the zealot. And we'll talk more about that here in a moment. And Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent forth. These 12 Jesus sent forth. Since you've been standing a while, I think I'll hold off on your reading over in Acts. Just don't lose your place. Okay, can you do that? Take the hangy, thing, hangy downy thing in your Bible, right? I'm quoting Brother Dave McCracken right here. And put it in the book of Acts chapter 1. I think we may turn there later on. If not, I'll reference it and you can read it later. Okay, here's the title here this morning on this 70th anniversary. The Extraordinary Assembly. The Extraordinary Assembly of Ordinary People. That's it. The Extraordinary Assembly of Ordinary People. We better not get that backwards. It's not the Ordinary Assembly of Extraordinary People. We'd have it wrong right there. It is the Extraordinary Assembly of just plain old ordinary people. Abraham Lincoln said, God must love ordinary people. He sure made a bunch of them. <laughs> sure made a bunch of them. That's what we are. But it is an extraordinary assembly. I want to preach a little bit today on the doctrine of the local church, the New Testament church, um, the extraordinary assembly of ordinary people. May God bless the reading of his word as we've prayed. We'll trust him to bless. There are many different types of assemblies, I'm sure, that you could think of along with me today. Gatherings of all types, all kinds. People gathering, stands, stadiums, filling up, no doubt, right now. Well, it's 11.25. I guess somewhere a kickoff has already taken place. People assembled. A bunch of them. A bunch of them assembled. And they're all sitting there real dignified and quiet, Right? Oh, no, they're loud and proud, right? Maybe some obnoxious, right? Fans, political assemblies, town hall meetings, conventions are part of our freedom. Hey, thank God for the ability to assemble. Amen. Let's not take that for granted. We have the ability to assemble, even in political gatherings of every type. Then there's concerts and recitals. There's various club meetings, military gatherings, formations, forming up, classes, convening, um, horse shows. Sorry. Uh, that was part of my life for a long time, just going to horse shows. I don't know if you've ever been to one. I still like to go to them down here at the um, arena, at the fairgrounds, you know. I mean, right here, I mean, we have a lot of quarter horse shows and and some standard horse shows. Uh, mine was Tennessee walking horse shows. I mean, that's a whole, uh, there's a whole uh, culture of people in horse shows and rodeos. 
gatherings like that. Car shows, car enthusiasts, um, races. That's a unique breed of people too, isn't it? NASCAR fans, <laughs> another type of racing. How about this gathering, the gathering of families around the dinner table? Well, we need that, don't we? Amen. Gathering of families and Thanksgiving. My youngest son just prayed last night, Lord, help Thanksgiving get here soon. <laughs> That's why he prayed, <laughs> help Thanksgiving. I'm thinking he's ready to get out of one gathering at school into another gathering. Or I can understand that, can't you? Sure. And then on, then on top of that, there are uh, Christian organizations. I mean, there's prison ministries, jail ministries, uh, counseling ministries, uh, Bible colleges, and all, all of those have a place. All of those Christian ministries, they can be helpful. But I want to be clear today. None should because they cannot take the place of the churches that Jesus started. Of the church he started as it began, as he began to gather uh, people, as he saved them and they were baptized, they were gathered together. And we believe because the Bible teaches that Jesus started the first church and it's out of that church that other churches were started. Jesus did not start a denomination. We are not part of a denomination. We never have been a part of a denomination. We are not Protestant. We are Baptists. And, um, and so, and, and we're not mad about it. We're just thankful. Uh, nothing, there's no substitute on this earth. I'm not saying that somebody couldn't get saved through Campus Crusade for Christ or, or some other Christian organization like that. I, I'm not saying that, but, but those organizations don't have the authority to baptize. They don't have the authority to administer the Lord's Supper. They don't have the authority to do church discipline. There's only one, there's only one place that has that authority and there's only one headquarters for world missions and that would be the local New Testament church church. I say, man, that's kind of narrow, isn't it? In a day and time when people are a little bit more loose with their church affiliation, when people don't even have to join a church anymore. I believe if we begin to change on our doctrine of the church, that's where some of the biggest changes will come to Southwest Baptist Church. I'm preaching to many different individuals here today. There's some that have grown up uh, here at, at uh, Southwest Baptist Church. And, but, but here's also, I want to say this, because just because you grew up in a church like this does not mean that you understand it. Or that you understand why uh, that we hold to what we hold to. And, and, and beloved, we better make sure that what we hold to is biblical, not just tradition. I, I'm not interested. I don't want to exhort people to be a member of a church just out of tradition. If that's it, all kinds of people's got tradition. We want to be who we are because of Bible. Because if it's Bible, then that's God's word, not man's word. 
It's like I told you a couple weeks ago, there was a young man that got saved out of a really just, I don't remember exactly what he started out as, but, but then he tried this and he tried this and, and then he, he trusted Christ as his savior, but then he got into a, into a more of a non-denominational type church. And, and he said, you know, I didn't understand that I was Baptist until I started reading the Bible. Say, so, well, man, that's a bold statement. Aren't you making that as a, as in, in a biased kind of way? I mean, you're a Baptist preacher. You're celebrating 70 years as, as Southwest Baptist Church. And don't you know you got guests here who maybe aren't coming from a Baptist background? Yes. I get it. It's not my, my deal to be unkind, but what, what would you want a Baptist pastor to be? Like, un, un, unsure? <laughs> or just kind of doing this because my mom took me to this church? No, I'm not here today because my mom, I mean, I am here today because my mom brought me to church, but that's not the only reason that I'm here today because I thank God my mom brought me to, a, to an independent fundamental Baptist church that was trying to preach the word and do it right and all those things. And I'm thankful that when it came time for her to join, they asked her about her baptism and she was baptized in a church that believed that you could lose your salvation. And so the pastor there told her you're going to have to be baptized according to proper authority. I mean, he just helped her understand that and she didn't balk at it. She didn't, she didn't uh, squ uh, squ squawk at it. I don't know if that's the right word, but she didn't, she didn't, she didn't give any pushback about it. She just understood if that's what it takes to be a member here, then that's what I'm going to do. It's good stuff. I'm glad she did. Today we are celebrating the extraordinary assembly of some ordinary people. Extraordinary means this, just beyond what is usual, exceptional in character. That's what the word means, exceptional in character. An extraordinary assembly of ordinary, no special quality. Ordinary people. Churches, um, how many of you would agree with this? Even if I just offended you in some way, I didn't, it wasn't my goal to, but even if I just offended you, I think you'd agree with this. Church is very important. One person said this, the church is not made up of people who are better than the rest, but of people who want to become better than they are. The church is, uh, I like this as well. The church service is not a convention to which a family should merely send a delegate. You need to be here. Uh, don't just send a delegate. Yeah. What if there was no church? Well, that's quite a thought in it. I mean, really, if he just saved us, that, that'd be more than what we deserved. But just saving us is not all that we need. Because, I mean, yes, you need to be saved and thank God, you know, for salvation. But that's not the end. That's just the beginning. And, and there's more that you need. Now, I'm not saying there's more you need than Jesus. Please don't, don't, don't uh, misunderstand me on that. I, all you need to be saved is what he did and who he is. That's all you need. But for you to be walking with God because uh, salvation itself is initiating an opportunity for you to have fellowship with God. And so that means you need to grow spiritually and get closer to God. And so because of that, then God gave us a church family. Just think, I mean, if there was not, if there was not a, a church, if, if he didn't put us in churches and, and fellowship, there wouldn't be church fellowship. Don't you enjoy church fellowship? I'm thankful that it takes a while to turn the lights out around here. 
I'm thankful that, you know, I mean, I, usually we're some of the last ones to leave, and it, I, I call it the second service because, you know, this service is about an hour and 15 minutes long, and the second service is about an hour long. I mean, as we're fellowshipping out in, the, out in the hall, out in the foyer or here in the auditorium, I'm thankful that people, we don't just say, all right, that concludes our service today and everybody's out. Now, Sunday mornings, people get out a little bit quicker than Sunday nights and Wednesday nights because you're hungry. I understand that. Either hungry or hangry, you know, I mean, you're like angry about it. I'm hoping that that's not maybe the case, but I'm just simply saying that, you know, it's good that we get to have fellowship with one another. What if there were no fellowship? What if there were no Sunday school? What if there were no uh, prayer meetings? If there were no church, there'd be no uh, collective preaching to lost sinners like this. Uh, there'd be no missionaries sent to the, to the foreign field. There, there'd be no preachers to visit the sick. There'd be no place to gather saved sinners. No baptism, no observance of the Lord's Supper, no outreach to the lost. Mercy, I'm glad God. And His infinite wisdom not only saved us, but then He put us in a church family. How do you view the church? The Bible does teach, I've already mentioned that the Lord started the church. The church did not start at Pentecost. The church was already in existence by the time that you come to Pentecost. Because even in Acts chapter, well, let's look at it here, okay? I told you a moment ago to turn there. How about we just take advantage of the fact that it did and look at Acts chapter 1. We we doing all right? Everybody following along so far? <clears throat> In Acts chapter 1, Luke, the author under inspiration, is writing to Theophilus and helping him understand what's going on. We begin in verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, what he began to do, indicating that that was to continue on even after he was gone. So how would he continue that on if he's not here? Until the day in which he was taken up, he ascended up on high. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. That's what we just read back in Matthew chapter 10. To whom also he showed himself. How about this? He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. By the way, in Matthew chapter 10, and, and what we'll read here in a moment is the list of the disciples, of the apostles, most of whom, in fact, uh, probably all of whom, except for John, they were martyred. They died for their faith in the risen Savior. Listen, wait a minute, let me, let me clarify that. They didn't die just for what they believed. They died because they believed they saw the resurrected Christ. There's a lot of people that die for false religions. They didn't die for a false religion. They died because they believed they saw him with their own eyes, touched him with their own hands, ate with him. That's why they died. They went to their graves believing they saw him. Why did they believe they saw him? Because they did. I don't serve a dead Savior. And so... It says here that he assembled them. Look at it, verse number four. And being assembled together. What, what is a church, by the way? A church is a called out assembly. Assembly. That means you get together. If you can't assemble it, it's not a church. Okay, so that's step one is a gather, assembly. And so the Bible 
in nowhere teaches a universal idea of a church, that we're somehow part of the church, capital C, okay? Like, like we're all part of this church. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that they were, they were a local assembly. So they are already assembled. They were, they were assembled under Jesus because he started the church. And then here in Acts chapter 1, they are assembling. And then they have the upper, upper room. They have prayer. And, and then if you notice verse number 13, and when they were come in, they all went into the upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. And then it talks about in, in, uh, in verse number 15 that there's about 120 of them. And so then in chapter two, are, are you still following along with me? In chapter 2 and verse number 41, after Peter stood and preached the gospel, then there were many people who were saved, 3,000 to be exact. What a friend day that was. Then it says in verse number 41, then they that gladly received his word were, what? Baptized, and the same day there were added unto them, that's the idea that there were added so if you add something to something, that means it existed before then, right? There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In other words, what I'm trying to establish here is this. Jesus started the church. It was already in existence by the time of Pentecost. That's what the Bible teaches. It did not start at the time of Pentecost. Uh, one teacher asked his class or actually said to Johnny, if your name's Johnny, I'm sorry. I mean, just everybody picks on your name because it's always Johnny, you know, that gets everybody in trouble, Right? <laughs> said, Johnny, when, when was the church founded? He said, I don't know when it was losted. <laughs> when was the church founded? Well, according to the Bible, Jesus started the church. It had its beginnings there in Galilee and then relocated basically down to Jerusalem, became the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. He began with 12, 12 ordinary men, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples. By the way, while we're at it, if you're still in Acts 1, let me, let me show you something else just right quick. In Acts 1, look at verse number 6, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? In one verse, in one verse, the disciples make it clear that they understood they're not the replacement for Israel. God will still do his work in Israel. They also understood this. We are not in the kingdom. When will you start the kingdom? So I'm just trying to be very clear here this morning. Uh, we are not in this spiritual clean kingdom and that's all there is. No, wait a minute, just, just a minute here. Jesus is going to come and literally rule and reign in Jerusalem and establish his kingdom upon the earth. 
So this church is not the kingdom of God. We're not a spiritual kingdom because there's going to be a literal kingdom someday. And, and it's not like we're going to usher it in. I'm telling you, one verse right there that rules out pre-tribulationism, uh, I'm sorry, amillennialism and post-millennialism and so forth. It, it makes a point for pre-millennialism and it also makes a point for pre-tribulationalism. It makes a point. I mean, it's very, very clear in the scriptures. Mercy. It's all right there. Do you know what you believe today? Is all this important? You say, man, preacher, that's just a bunch of doctrine. Hey, I'm telling you, doctrine matters. It matters. These are ordinary men. Let's get back to our text now in Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, it talks about some ordinary men. These, these men like Peter. I mean, he was a fisherman. And Andrew, who brought Peter. Uh, and, and all these other men that were there. But they were gathered unto him. They, they were to be with Jesus. Hey, listen, one reason God has gathered us together here in this extraordinary assembly is that we might get to know the Lord better. To be his disciples. To be close to him. Are you close to the Lord here this morning as a member of Southwest Baptist Church? close to the Lord. You want to be close to him. And I think everybody here would agree also. I, I desire to be closer to him. And that's why he put us in a church family. Most of these men, we don't know very much about them. Some of them we do. We know quite a bit about Peter because he was quick to open his mouth. Aren't you glad that God can still use people that are quick to open their mouths? I'm glad. I'm glad, by the way, he can still use people that mess up bad like Peter did. I'm glad God restored Peter. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that, um, that God could work in the lives of these ordinary men, but they would face, they would face extraordinary opposition. And so God gave them power against unclean spirits and against, against diseases. And, and that was particular to their day and time. But, but the Holy Ghost given to us today in this New Testament church age, this New Testament time when churches are starting churches, is given for the purpose of evangelism. But here at this time, as they are authenticating the message for, for the Jews in particular, he gives them that power and authority over these unclean spirits and so forth so that they would understand that the message that they were preaching has God's validation on it. They would face real opposition. And today, listen, church, we face real opposition as well. The term apostle in, in uh, verse number two of Matthew chapter 10, the term apostle, term apostle means sent one, one who is sent out. What does it take to be an apostle? Well, you had to see the resurrected Christ and you had to be appointed by him. So people today who claim to be an apostle are false. Regardless of who he is or she is. And we're covering a lot of bases here today. Notice this as well. These names are named in pairs. Peter and Andrew, James and John, the sons of thunder. By the way, John lived into his 80s, maybe 90s. Just because you're in your older age doesn't mean God is done with you. In fact, he wrote the book of Revelation during his last latter years. God used him. So if you're an older member of this church, hey, listen, don't think, well, my best days are behind me and now it's up to the younger crowd. No, we need you to be involved right here as well. That's right. Thinking about the real people that have been a part of this church for so many years, it's a blessing. They're named in pairs, James and John. Um, you notice these others are all in pairs. Why? Well, he's about to send them out two by two. Sending them out, covering more territory, sending them out to have fellowship. 
One of the things I love most about door knocking is just fellowshipping with the person that I'm out door knocking, with whom I'm out door knocking. Angie and I got to go door to door yesterday and talk to people and, and, uh, and we got to talk to one another <laughs> in between doors. It's a blessing. Fellowship, partnership, accountability, reaching more with the gospel. That's what they're doing. I, I just want to say to you this morning, you don't have to be extraordinary to be used by God. You just need to be an ordinary person that'll let God use you. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. Probably most of you don't know the name Edward Kimball, but a lot of you would know the name D.L. Moody. Edward Kimball was his Sunday school teacher who went to where he was working at a shoe store, if I remember that detail right. And while D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody was in the back working on and, and shelving some shoes and such, uh, Mr. Kimball led him to Christ. Well, it's estimated that D.L. Moody perhaps was involved in at least nearly a million people coming to Christ. No exaggeration. It's astounding. Well, there was an ordinary man that nobody knew named Edward Kimball that led him to Christ. And then actually that started a chain of events of other people that you might know that came to Christ. Not many of you would know a whole lot about maybe Andrew, but a lot of you know a lot about Peter. But I'm telling you today, it was Andrew who led Peter to Christ. And then James and John, the sons of thunder. Philip, who brought Nathaniel. Thomas, who struggled with doubt. I'm glad God can still use people who struggle with some doubt along the way. I kind of give Thomas a hard time, but Thomas went on, according to history, to be the first missionary to India. And if you know the spiritual state of India, southern India is much more evangelized than northern India because Thomas went to India. So Thomas is one of my favorite disciples. He went to India. Matthew, the publican, and then James, the son of Phaeus, and, and Thaddeus, and Simon, the, the zealot. Uh, he, he was either officially part of that zealous group, or he was just one of those zealous Jews that were independents. We, we would think of him as a patriot. I, I, just, I don't mean in an irreverent way at all, but if, if, if uh, Simon was around today, he'd be driving a truck that has a bunch of guns on the back. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, just some, some, some stickers of guns and yeah. That's Simon. I'm telling you, he was a zealot. He was, he was, he was one to, he was one freedom. Yet he needed to be saved himself. I'm just saying, these were ordinary men. And time would fail us to tell of the ordinary women that were brought into that extraordinary assembly. Why, why do you say extraordinary assembly? I'll tell you why I say extraordinary assembly. Because it's not like any other organization. It's not an organization. It's a living organism. In fact, it's, a, it's extraordinary. Here's why, chiefly, it is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who created all things, the one who sustains all things, is the founder of this, this assembly. He is the one who started the church that started the churches. It's extraordinary. So we dare not, we dare not treat his church like it's ordinary. We have no license. We have no grounds to come up with our own ideas about what a New Testament church ought to look like or who we ought to accept in or, or what we ought to, how we ought to function or how we ought to be structured. He gave us a book to go by. 
He founded this church. And, and so we honor what he did there by recognizing this is an extraordinary assembly. Don't take church lightly. Don't take church for granted. Treat it with the utmost respect. And thus we must recognize that what Jesus started has the authority to carry out what he wanted it to do. Well, what did he want it to do? Carry out his mission in the world. What was his mission in the world? Well, he came to seek and save that which was lost. If you're lost here today, Jesus came that you might be saved. You're lost here today in your sin. He came that you might be forgiven. He shed his blood that you might be saved. He was buried and rose again. And he's able to save anyone who would call upon him for salvation. He's not bodily here. He's not physically here. He ascended back to heaven. He's at the right hand of the throne of God on high. And he started his church there amongst these men and these women. And then as they preached, others went out into Judea and Samaria, yea, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So much so until in 1950, a group from the north side said, we need to reach the sinners on the south side. And they called for their first pastor, J. Oscar Wells, who had been a missionary in China. And he came here and his daughter, Shannon Lucid, who went on to go to space and became an astronaut but she started out knocking doors right here on the south side of Oklahoma City and a group began to assemble here and in 1951 they became their own independent fundamental Baptist church and they were friendly to people and they were focused on the Savior and they were fundamental in their doctrine and they were fervent in their spirit and they began to win souls to Christ and so much so that they had to grow out of that little concrete building that they were in and build another auditorium here on the north corner of, of the 54th and Blackwater and then they outgrew that and then they built this and they, they kept growing I'm telling you it's like God did. It's an extraordinary assembly. Not because of us, but because of him. I've got here a, 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 a brochure that Miss Dorothy Copps gave me many years ago. And it's, uh, it's in black and white. Hey, listen, it may not be as fancy as some of our materials today. It doesn't have to be fancy because it's not our fanciness that, that is to draw people in. It's what we are as a church that ought to be drawing people in. It, it has a picture of the auditorium here with nothing actually out to this side. It's interesting. It says, I am Southwest Baptist Church. My scope is limitless. My obligations are worldwide. I am not the Savior, but into my doors enter those who find salvation and the fellowship of those who have found the Savior. Pastor Bert Harrison. And, and then it says this, we offer strong evangelistic, pastoral, Bible-centered preaching and teaching. <laughs> this is good stuff right here. Sunday school classes for adults and Sunday school classes for every age, choir for every age group with a beautiful music program at every service, our own fleet of buses to provide transportation for, uh, for all, children's churches, clean nurseries with qualified attendance at all services. Hallelujah. Still going on. An active youth program. We believe the Bible to be the divinely inspired, infallible word of God. It's, that's a blessing that ought to be celebrated by somebody. It's a blessing. You say, well, so what you're saying is that in the New Testament, when you see church as a local assembly, yes. The churches, the church which was at Antioch, the church, churches of Galatia. By the way, by the way, 
if it was just one big church, all he had to say was church. But he said churches. So, but what about some of the passages where it's just like church, just church. He gave his life for the church. That's a good question. But you know, sometimes I might say this. I might say my wife's going to go shopping at Hobby Lobby. What does that mean? That means she's going to spend some money. But she's going to save money doing it. Amen right there? Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby is a big organization. They got a headquarters. It's right here in Oklahoma City. That's a blessing. I'm thankful for that. Can I help you? Amen. Oh, it's good. It's all right. Uh, this is uh, our headquarters for Southwest Baptist Church. Where is that located? Our headquarters. Um, is it in St. Louis? Is it in Chicago? Is it in Dallas? Is it in Atlanta? Where's that? Where's our headquarters? Our headquarters are in heaven. That's where, that's where they are. That's our headquarters. I'm, I'm just simply saying Hobby Lobby, uh, the name is a big general sense, but it's got to have a specific application of that. My wife doesn't go to shop at an invisible Hobby Lobby. She doesn't. She can't. She's got to spend real money at a real place. And she does. <laughs> she does. I say family. Family can be used in a general sense, but family, I mean, to be a family, you got to have a specific application of family. Right? A husband, a wife, a kids. I mean, there's got to be a visible, I'm not talking about an invisible family. My son asked me today, they were playing a game on the bus, uh, which would you rather? You ever play that? Or would, you rather, would you rather be able to fly or be invisible? I said, I think I'd rather fly. It'd be pretty awesome. He said, I think I'd rather be invisible. <laughs> I don't know why. We didn't get into that. <laughs> hey, look, this is not an invisible church. We're a visible church. When you need help, you don't need invisible help. You need visible help. When you need a pastor, you don't need a virtual pastor. You need a real pastor. Somebody that'll come to the hospital. You don't have a hologram. I'm not a hologram up here. Amen. In a day and age when people are using technology to, to, to put an a image of a pastor up on the platform, you say, is that really going on? Yes, it's going on. It's crazy. Right. You, you, don't need, you don't need a virtual pastor. You need a real flesh and blood pastor. Amen. God puts you in a church. Amen. And thus he gave authority to the church to carry out his great commission, which means this, to take the gospel into all the world and to see that people are saved and once saved, the church that Jesus started, according to his word and the doctrine that still holds that doctrine, because by the way, a church could lose its status should it depart from the right doctrine and thus lose its authority to baptize. I'm just simply saying today, is everybody listening? Is everybody following along with me? I know we had a distraction, but tune back in. It's okay. You with me? Um, Hey, listen, uh, if, just because something calls itself a church does not mean that it is a church. Just because I ask somebody to dress up in a cow suit and stand outside my house while my wife is making fried chicken inside does not make me a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't have the authority to call myself a Chick-fil-A. I know that's the Baptist verb, but I'm just saying I, I don't have the authority to say I'm a Chick-fil-A. I only have authority to say I'm a Chick-fil-A if Chick-fil-A authorizes me to be a Chick-fil-A. Right. 
I love baseball. I, I, maybe I say, well, I want to get us a team. We want to play in the major leagues. I want to have a shot in October. You know, boys of spring, men of fall, I'd like to, like to do that. They're going to have some nice jerseys made up. Going to get, you know, numbers on the back. Going to get a nice emblem made up. And even though I may go to all that length, all that time to build a big old stadium and spend multi-million dollars on it, just because I call myself a baseball team does not mean I'm recognized by the MLB. They're not going to let us in. Only if they authorize us, recognize it. So this is making sense. An insurance agent comes to your house and says, hey, I want to sell you this insurance. It's life insurance. It's good in life insurance. You can have 100000 for this, 200000 for this, 500000 for this. You can have this insurance. You just got to pay this premium every month. And this individual receives your premium every month. And then you pass away and that's the, the life insurance is supposed to go to your family. But then when you go to receive the life insurance, you realize that was a fake. That was a phony. That was a fraud. How much money are you getting? Zero. Because just because he had a card and just because he looked sharp as an agent does not mean he's authorized if he's a phony. I'm just simply saying everything that calls itself a church in our day and time does not mean that it's authorized by Jesus to be a church. So how do you know if you're an authorized church? Well, you better get in the scriptures to see what he said is a church. That's what I'm preaching about this morning. That'll help. I find a badge on the side of the road. I pick it up. I put it on my chest and I go out and start pulling people over. Now, as much as I'd like to do that, I am not authorized, deputized. I can't do that. Why? Because I've not been authorized to do that. The authority to baptize, the authority to observe the Lord's Supper, the authority to discipline. You say, well, I believe in a universal church. All right. Um, what if I have to discipline you? Are you listening to me? I don't like that idea. You, you better be a member of a local church. By the way, the reason some people avoid church membership is they don't want accountability. It's easy. It's easy to live any way you want to if you're not accountable to anything or anybody. Well, this is a real happy message for our 70th anniversary, but I'm telling you, if we, if we, don't, if we don't stay straight on this, we won't celebrate another decade. We, we won't last another five years because we'll be something other than what we started out to be. It's an extraordinary assembly. We dare not, dare not, dare not tamper with it. And by the way, it's only churches that start churches. I can't go out here and say, well, I'd like to start some. No, it's got to be authorized by a church. A church that is His. It's an extraordinary assembly of ordinary people and we must continue. Here's the final thought. We must continue to welcome ordinary people. Yes. Amen. We must not think anything special of ourselves. Amen. I know how to act in church. That's good. There's others who don't. What are we going to do? Jesus welcomes sinners. Loves sinners. Jesus loves people who can't find the book of Genesis. He loves people who can't find the book of Malachi. Malachi. For real? There's a book called Malachi? No, it's Malachi, but some people think it's Malachi. He loves people who call it the book of Job. Man, I was reading the book of Job the other day. That's the book of Job. We got to love people right where they are. 
There's a history of that right here at Southwest Baptist Church. I brought a directory from 1992. Oh, mercy. <laughs> Woo! Look at Brother Darren Barnes right here. This is awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's find Ted Inman. That'd be, even, that'd be even better right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, bro Brother Ted. Woo. That's pretty rough. Mustache. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> 92. Uh, 2000 right here, I believe it is. Uh, this is one, Brother Bill Chevron. Talked to him last night. You know, along the way, some of their health gets to where they can't be here. But he, uh, he took this directory and he marked it and said, no, you need to know. This person married this person's family. <laughs> so that makes them family. And he like connected the dots for me. Just ordinary people. 2013, I've got others. I've got a good stack of them in my office, except anything recent. <laughs> we're just ordinary people. Nothing spectacular. If we ever get to thinking we're something spectacular or something extraordinary, I think God will remove his blessings. I really do. Because he, he should share his glory with nobody else. But what I'm saying today, you may feel like I went around a long way to say it, but it, it all needs to be said because it's all in the New Testament. That since this is an extraordinary place because of the one who started it, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we use human people like Oscar Wells and O.E. Matthews and Burt Harrison for 29 years, Brother Sam for 20 years. I mean, in my mind and probably in yours, these are, these are extraordinary people. I mean, I would kind of think that. I mean, they're, they're just they're, they're men of God that God has greatly used. But I'll never forget, God helps me, uh, when Brother David Jordan uh, was at a place where he wasn't able to be a, a deacon any longer. He has his voice box. And he said, Brother Jason, God has blessed Southwest Baptist Church because he's given us some good pastors, Brother Harrison, Brother Davison. He said, we even like you. <laughs> Something like that, he said. I appreciated it. But he said this. He said, Brother Jason, God has blessed Southwest, not just because of the leadership of Southwest, but because of the people. I believe that. Amen. The depths of my soul, way before we ever became a member here, we used to long to come here, look forward to coming here, just to be in a service. Simply Floyd. Hear the choir. But it's not because we're anything extraordinary, but it's this. He is, and He saves ordinary people. An ordinary person. Maybe, maybe today you, you're thinking, I'd like to be a part of this church. I'd like to be a member of this church. We'd like to talk to you. We want to make sure that you're saved. We want to make sure that you are scripturally baptized. We want to make sure that, that you're, you're ready to join the church, basically. That, that is how we try to operate. We try to be very careful there. At the same time, be very welcoming. 
If you're here and you're not saved, I urge you today, as no church could save you, only Jesus can. Amen. But He'll save you. Today, if you are a member of this church, how about we just thank God for what He's done? Many of you have just came here, but some of you have been here a long time. Some of you have grown up here. Oh, I, I implore every young person that's grown up here at this church, don't you take this church for granted. Ask God to help you. I know you could, you could get at a place where you think, I, it's just, it's, it's, I'm just used to it. Draw close to the Savior. Let Him give you a love for His bride, His church. Let, let Him give you a love for this church. Father, today, I thank You for this anniversary Sunday. God, I pray that You'd help us to make sure that we're drawing close to You as members of this church. I pray, God, that you'd help us also, Lord, to draw close to one another in fellowship with one another. And then, God, that you'd help us to fulfill your mission of seeking and saving, trying to present, I mean, the message of salvation to others. Please bless this time of invitation, dear Lord. Use it as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together here today.